I'm Patricia Grabarek. And I'm Katina Sawyer, and welcome to the Worker Being Podcast. So today is a Katina article. What did you pick for us today? It is. So today we're going to be talking about the power of humility in teams, so being humble, um, and how that might help cut down on bullying in teams. So unfortunately, bullying is an issue that affects many people at work, and creating a team environment that discourages bullying can be a good way to solve that problem and new research shows that humility might be a key for doing that so that's what we're going to be talking about that's interesting I mean it makes sense to some extent like just when you hear about it it's like oh I want to put those two together but wait maybe I would <laughs> so yeah. I'm really curious to hear about it a little bit more um I do think that the bullying as a topic is important. I know we've talked about it before, so I'm glad we're continuing that conversation. Yeah, yes. And uh, right now with uh, some uh, collaborators, I'm doing a meta-analysis on humility, leader humility in particular, and uh, we're finding some interesting effects um, across uh, different demographics, like we're finding that age matters in terms of how much people value humility and Whoa. it matters differently across cultures. So humility is actually kind of a, an interesting construct. Cross cultures makes a lot of sense. I feel like when, um, like in my last job, we were doing some research with humility as well. And the cross cultural piece was very important. Um, yeah. so I'm, I'm not surprised it's coming out. I'll be curious to hear about that paper when it's ready. I think that'll yes. be a good one to bring. But for today, we have this paper. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And before you tell us about it, how about uh, let's chat a little bit about your day. How's or yeah. weekend? How's everything going? Yeah. So um, our weekend was actually really nice. So I think I might have been mentioning this last time around, but um, we basically have like travel like every weekend from now until like forever and so this past weekend <laughs> forever was, like, the, yeah and so this la past weekend was like the last weekend for a long time that we're just like here um so we just decided to kind of like chill so we were like nice yeah so on friday i think we ordered food and watched great british bake-off <laughs> um which i find such a delightful show like i truly just like find that show so delightful um and so we watched that and then on Saturday we went to a brewery um and then we went out to dinner and then um on Sunday we went to brunch with some friends and um I took a long nap which was very nice so mm. I feel like it was just like a good like relaxing weekend that sounds lovely and yeah. I love the nap. Naps are always good. <laughs> yes, I know. Well, I feel like because we have been running around a little bit, sometimes you like don't notice that you're tired and then all right. of a sudden it like hits you that you're tired and you're just like, what the heck? And then you take a nap and you feel delightful. You're like, oh, that's all I needed was a little bit yes. more sleep. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, um, so that was my weekend. Nothing too exciting, but definitely restful. How was your weekend? My weekend was good. Um, it's We're recording this on Monday, and it's still the weekend for me because um, we had Indigenous Peoples slash Columbus Day off from work. Yes. So um, I have been enjoying the day. 
But the weekend, let's see. So, well, today we did take the kittens to the vet for the first time. So that was interesting. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, They were good sports uh, for sure. But um, after Ray got examined, she was like, the carrier was still like on the little table. And they're so tiny, right? So they're just sitting there on the table, both of them and the carrier. And there's like still tons of room. Um, And so the vet started with Ray and like did the little like, you know, feeling their joints and whatever they do yeah and uh and then as soon as she was done ray was like nope i went straight back into the carrier <laughs> was like, i'm ready to go <laughs> that was not fun <laughs> goodbye <laughs> it was really cute kona was that a little bit more cute. chill she was like oh this is happening but i guess whatever like she didn't seem as uh she didn't go straight back to the carrier afterwards but ray yeah. was just done um so that was funny yeah it was it was funny it was cute they're very healthy so we're happy about that that's um yeah and then we let's on saturday we had my parents over um they were like traveling a little bit the past couple weeks so they haven't seen the little babies since they've grown a bit um so they came over here made dinner watched the um dodger giants playoff game nice um and then on sunday we actually celebrated our friend's engagement so you know them jimmy and matt uh Yay. they're the they're the friends that we stayed at their house in palm springs um Yay. and yeah it was so fun we went to this greek restaurant called taverna tony's in malibu which is like a it's been there forever like 40 50 years or something really really long and it's just this great greek spot and jimmy's greek and so he's never been he's heard it's the best greek place in la and really wanted to try it out so we took them there and um he he did approve of it so that was nice (laughs) i've been there a million times so i was like i like this place but i don't know if it's actually authentically greek um (laughs) i can't vote on that but he liked it and then there's like a little um tasting room for like a winery nearby and so we walked over there and did some wine tasting so it was a really that's nice exciting. sunday Yay. yeah oh that's so fun and i'm so happy for them that must have been a blast and also just so exciting to celebrate i know it was so fun we're so excited for them so yeah um it was nice it was nice to get to celebrate them um it's actually it was kind of funny because we we're realizing that we met matt the weekend after we got engaged like dan and i got engaged so it was like we got engaged and the following weekend we met matt for the first time like jimmy brought matt over and then they and we celebrated our engagement so it kind of felt like this weird like yeah (laughs) coming full full circle circle. thing yeah that's awesome that's so exciting yeah that is so exciting so it was good it was a good weekend well, it sounds like we both had restful, nice weekends where we, like, enjoyed fr- some friends. Yeah, like, the friends that we saw, we haven't seen. We were like, wait, when was the last time we saw you? And it was literally March 2020 Oh man, the last time that we saw them. And wow. they have um, two little kids, a second grader and a four-year-old. And so the last time we saw them... They were literally, well, the last time we saw them was December 2019. Oh, my gosh. like, the last time we saw them, they were in, like, kindergarten and they were, and, like, two. Yeah. That's (laughs) crazy. so that's, like, a huge difference. Yeah, totally. Um, Like, they were, like, 
little people and I was like what is happening um so yeah so that was kind of crazy but it is nice to like spend some time and catch up and have just like a chill fun weekend so yeah I was happy about that I was too so I'm glad we both had that and there was no bullying involved (laughs) no there was not I didn't get bullied by one person. Me neither. (laughs) So big win. But if there is bullying in your workplace, what should we think about? (laughs) Well, that was actually a very good transition because I did not get bullied. It was. I I think that was one of our, sadly, I think that's one of our better work. Um, So, uh, (laughs) so yes. So the article that I'm talking about today is called how do humble people mitigate group incivility An examination of the social oil hypothesis of collective humility, which I will tell you what that is. And it was published this year, 2021 in the journal of occupational health psychology. And it's by Chu Marone and Tucky social oil. Is that what you said? Yes, I did. I said (laughs) never heard of that. So I'll be curious to learn more. (laughs) Yeah, I had actually never heard of it either. And it's a pretty simple concept. Um, So I don't think it'll take too long to describe. Uh, It's like kind of like a fancy sounding name. But like the thing I don't like about it is like snake oil, like is meant to be like, (laughs) uh, like very like fake. I don't know. Like I associate like the oil of something as being like, oh, that's tricky. But this hmm. is not tricky. This is just like fine. Straight up good. Okay. Straight up good. <laughs> um, so I'll tell you a little bit about what they were interested in. So the first part of this is about humility. So we'll talk a little bit about what's humility. And then I'll kind of back into why it might be important for decreasing incivility, which is another word in the literature for bullying. So humility is the tendency to be able to admit your own weaknesses to appreciate other people's strengths and to learn from other people. So it sort of has these like three parts. And so just to get into the parts a little bit more, the first part is around uh, being able to recognize that you don't know everything that (laughs) you um, have some areas where you're not an expert and that you can accept and recognize that sometimes you make mistakes And you can accept and recognize that there are areas where you're not as strong in. So that's the first kind of component of humility is like, hey, these are things that I'm not good at. And that's fine. I accept that. And I, you know, recognize that I'll sometimes make missteps. And that's okay. And I'm fine with letting people know when that happens. Yeah. And I think it's an important one because, I mean, there's just so many important things that are linked to that piece of humility, right? Mm -hmm. Like, if you don't recognize you have weaknesses, then you can't ever improve. If you don't admit to your mistakes, then you can't create a learning culture wherever you are and really, you know, grow from mistakes and learn from those mistakes. Um, There's a lot of really positive things associated with being able to, like, understand where you might not be so strong, where you could use other people's support or help, you know, in that sense. And then also, like, be able to learn from those areas versus being like, I'm the best all the time and ignoring your mistakes and then you just never actually are better at anything. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And, and actually it's super linked to the second component, which is like, if I know that I have these weaknesses, then my way of making up for those things is to say like, not only do I 
accept that I have some faults, but I also recognize that other people have strengths where I have faults Mm -hmm. and it probably behooves me to try to learn from those folks and surround myself with people that can help me get better at those things or just, I know I'm not going to get better at them. So I, you know, it, maybe it's not something I can get better at, or it's just something I'm not going to be able to improve all the way at. So I try to learn of what others do or go to other people for advice or guidance or build a team that helps so that we all balance each other's strengths and weaknesses. So it's, Also being able to recognize like, oh, and other people are sometimes good at the things that I'm not good at. And that's also positive because that helps me to grow and it helps the team to be better. Um, And the last part is not just that you recognize that you can learn from people, but you also show appreciation for other people's strengths. So people who are humble don't just say like, hey, you know, show me how you do X, Y, Z because I'm not good at that. They also say like, hey, you're particularly good at this. That's awesome. Like, this is what's great about having you on the team. This is what I really appreciate about you. So they're very good at showing their appreciation for other people and verbally showing recognition for other people's strengths. Do you know who I feel fits this definition like so well? Who? David, our friend David. <gasps> You're right. Right? Like he's yeah. he's got a lot of really incredible strengths, but he's definitely aware of where he doesn't have strengths. He yeah. really seeks other people to fill in those gaps for him and like, you know, learn from other people and and bring them um, on board. And then he's incredibly appreciative of other people's strengths. And and he just yeah, I feel like he completely embodies this definition. Yeah, that's a really, really good point. I agree. I'll have to tell him. <laughs> yeah, tell him that we talked about humility and that we thought of him and that we think he's awesome. Um because that is very true. That's a good call. Yeah, and I think part of it is also um that uh he is like always talking about like this is where I think I am really good. This is where this other person is really good and I've been learning so much from them. Like you're right. He does like say a lot of stuff like that. Um mm-hmm. And we know that humble people tend to be better leaders and they also tend to be perceived as more effective by other people. So um, when you demonstrate these things, even though it sounds like, oh, I'm showing my weakness, I'm showing that I don't know stuff, et cetera, which traditionally people would think of as being associated with like, oh, well, that's not what like a good, strong like leader would do. People actually appreciate this and uh, people who are considered outstanding leaders tend to do this more than people who don't. So humility has a lot of positives. Um, People tend to view humble people as being more empathetic. Um, And because of this, getting to the social oil. um, (laughs) So because humble people tend to be more empathetic towards others and viewed as just like more considerate. They can basically buffer the uh, impact of negative interpersonal relationships. And they say that it's the social oil hypothesis because like (laughs) oil prevents an engine from overheating. What? Which I don't know. (laughs) Humble people can prevent a team from like boiling over when times are stressful. So if you are... um, working on something where you have to work well together interpersonally uh, and you know, you're, you're under a time crunch, things are stressful. 
having people around who are not arrogant and who want to learn from other people and show appreciation for other people can help to like grease the wheels of social processes so that they turn more smoothly even under times of duress so (laughs) that is the social oil hypothesis (laughs) well (laughs) i mean i think it's a valid hypothesis yeah but i absolutely hate the name so i think whoever made up that name Sorry to say, you should be humble and know that you're not yeah. good at making names for these <laughs> things and maybe learn from someone else because it that was, is not a good name. And like comparing it to a car, like I don't I think don't that know. should be yeah. in the name of a hypothesis. Whatever. That's I agree whatever. with you. I'm just, I'm done. I, I'm off that soapbox. But yeah. Well. I am also <laughs> on board with the idea. And actually these authors did not come up with it. Apparently it was someone named McElroy. So I'm sorry, McElroy, if you're listening we're not into the social oil hypothesis, but <laughs> we do agree with you that humility might help grease the wheels of um, social relationships. And so this is kind of how they make the link into incivility. So incivility is a very specific form of what might be considered bullying behavior. And we don't use the word incivility that much in organizations. So bullying is a more common term if you're going to like be talking about this with people at work. Um But basically, incivility is rude or discourteous behavior that's low intensity. And the issue of why incivility is so, like, problematic in organizations is because it's often ambiguous in terms of the intent. And it's like these low-grade violations of respectful behavior. So it's hard to put your finger on, like, whether the person meant to be disrespectful or whether they're actually trying to be rude to you or whether it's just like in your head or if you're going to report it, like what specifically are you going to report? Because nothing about it is exactly a clear violation. So it actually ends up being a really problematic form of bullying because it's very confusing to the target and it's very difficult to, to report and it's very difficult to pin down. So, um, While overt behaviors are very damaging, something that's positive about overt behaviors is that you know that you're being bullied and it's very easy to say this person's out of line and I need to report this. Whereas with incivility, these are more subtle behaviors. And so what they say in the paper is these uncivil behaviors can really like stop up the gears of a team as they're trying to work together because it creates this like low level ambient hostile culture that Mm -hmm. keeps the team from working together well and the idea is that when you have more people who are humble showing appreciation for people creating a team environment where people are trying to actually like learn from each other and like instead of seeing their weaknesses as threats they're seeing it as an opportunity to like gain more knowledge from other folks so instead of being like in competition and threatened by each other and not admitting when people could learn and not showing appreciation for each other when you have more humble people in a group it like adds oil to the gears that might be getting (laughs) stopped up by this uncivil behavior and creates a culture where actually incivility has a hard time taking hold and so because of that I feel like this incivility can be pretty damaging psychologically because you just make up your stories right and maybe you're not good enough what have you versus somebody else is the problem here so that kind of covert um bullying can be really 
really problematic. Yeah, and the article actually talks a lot about the impact that incivility can have on people's well-being. And so um, we know that incivility has outcomes that are problematic for people. Um, And so, you know, it could be something like you're not getting invited to a social event or you know that other people are getting important work-related information passed along to them, but you're not getting that information. Um, And so they use those as kind of examples of like, huh, why did this person ignore me? Why did I not get the information that I need, but these other people got the information um, that they need? And so like you're saying, you could have one narrative that's like people are leaving me out on purpose, but another one could be like, well, maybe they just didn't remember to invite me or maybe it was just an oversight. Um, And so because you can come up with these uh, different outcomes, people are likely to ruminate over them uh, for a longer period of time. And also it impacts performance, satisfaction, engagement, but also it gives people a lot of anxiety. It causes stress. It can make people want to leave their job. It can create more like relational tensions. Um, And it can also relate to uh, psychological and behavioral issues at work. So there's a lot going on um, that's related to the experience of incivility. And in this article, they are looking at group level incivility. So when your group has a high reported mean, so like everybody agrees that this is an uncivil team. And when that happens, that can have bad consequences for the team overall as they like jointly experience what sometimes can be an individual um, level experience otherwise. But they're looking at it as aggregated to the team level. That's really interesting. And actually, as you're talking about that, I was like thinking of examples of teams that I've seen that probably would be considered high in civility teams, mm-hmm. um, unfortunately. And it is uh, it is a very interesting environment to be working in. So I'm curious to know like what they found and how we can bring in humility to f- help alleviate some of that. Yeah. So what they found is pretty straightforward and simple so um, they did a two-wave survey that got some data from the employees and some data from their supervisors and basically what they did was um, at time one um, they got data from the employees themselves and um, I should mention um, that this was team level data Um, and so they got this from 50 um, different stores Uh, 55 different teams across those stores. And so in each of those teams, they got each team member to report how humble they were um, in the first survey. Um, And then two weeks later, they got a second survey and they reported their incivility um, based on their interaction with their colleagues. Um, And they also asked leaders to evaluate. So the team leaders had to evaluate uh, the collective humility that they thought existed in the team so basically they were looking at does individual level humility predict the emergence of this like collective humility norm on the team and then does the emergence of this collective humility norm predict lower ratings of employees of how much incivility is in their team on average um so that's the method that they followed and what they found was that in these teams 
the higher the average humility was. So they took all the members of the teams, individual rated, like to what extent do you demonstrate humility? The average level of humility on the team impacted positively the extent to which the leader of the team said, yes, this team actually has a norm for being humble, which makes sense. So the more individuals on the team are humble, the more the team is recognizably humble as a characteristic. And then the more the team is humble as a characteristic, the lower the averages that group members rate that they experience incivility overall in the team. So um, you end up with a lower kind of group rated incivility. So what they thought would happen actually worked, that um, the more humble people you have, the more likely it is that the team is viewed as humble, and the more humble the team is, the less likely it is that the team has high average levels of incivility. Interesting. And this, I think, is actually really important to kind of go back to the definition of humility, because I feel like when we think about humility the way we talk about it kind of like on the street, I don't know, if you will. Yeah. Um, but th in that context, I think it'd be like, well, somebody's saying that they're humble. Well, no, they're saying that they admit their mistakes. They recognize their weaknesses. They appreciate other people's weakness or strengths and, and uh, you know, know where other people might compliment them, things like that. So that is something you could answer and not and still be humble, right? I think that's yeah. where that definition is kind of important because as you were talking about it, I was like, ooh, if someone just listened to that clip, it would sound like oh, yeah, I'm, right. I'm Maybe just they're running around humble. saying I'm humble. But right. in the way that humility is defined in the research literature, um, you could easily rate yourself on that and admit, you know, if you know you have weaknesses, things like that, et cetera. Um, so I wanted just to call that out really quick. But then also... I think a lot of this makes a lot of sense and it's interesting, right? It's like, so if I'm humble, if I'm high on humility and my team is all high in humility, then my leader recognizes that the team has got this level of humility. And if we are appreciative of each other's strengths, then it makes sense that I, we would be treating each other better. We wouldn't have this incivility going on within the team. Right. Yep. And it, it is helpful, and that's a good call out, um, I think, to know what the items were. So they were things like, for the humility, they were things like, I actively seek feedback, even if it's critical. I show and appreciate, uh, or I show appreciation for the unique contributions of others, and I'm open to others' ideas. Um, and that predicted whether or not the leader answered questions like, Members of this team seek feedback. Members of this team show appreciation. Members of this team are <laughs> open to, to each other's ideas. So while it doesn't seem like, you know, rocket science to say, well, of course, if individual people say that they're doing this, then the leader might say the team does this in general. It is good to know that the more humble people you hire, the more likely it is that the team starts to demonstrate these characteristics as a group, right? So like a norm starts to develop, the more people you have in the team that are like this. And then the more that norm has developed, the less likely it is that people are going to say that they experience incivility. And for those questions, it were things like, my colleagues address me in unprofessional terms. My colleagues paid little attention to my statements. My colleagues show little interest in my opinion. Um, so the less likely it is that they'll say that they experience this incivility. And I think the other important thing to note about the supervisor piece is 
now we're also confirming the supervisor is seeing this humility. So it's not like yes. a bunch of people are saying, yeah, we are super high in humility. And the supervisor's like, actually, no one seeks feedback. Like, that would be a problem. Right, right, um, right. So the fact that they're aligned kind of helps drive this narrative in the story. And I like what you're saying, like creating this norm in your team to behave a certain way and to appreciate each other's support, act, you know, ask for feedback, appreciate people's uh strengths and what they're contributing can lead to a place where you're not being um ignored your ideas are being heard etc so I think it's it's a really interesting story and I like what you said about hiring people that are high in humility but I think another piece that you mentioned about the creating a norm is critical it's like if you're on a team that's not currently exhibiting these behaviors you can work on developing a norm right so I always think about teams and you know, when you come together as a team, can you set ground rules? Can you reset? And if you're in a situation, you've been working with a team for a long time, is there an opportunity to reset? Um, Mm -hmm. A lot of people that listen to the show probably have heard of like Tuckman's um, team development stages, right? Like people have heard of like forming, storming, norming, performing um, from how teams develop. And the thing is that that's not always linear right like you might go back stages um people might uh what's it called like if a new person comes in the team or somebody leaves a team like you go through these stages again so I think it's really important like if you don't know about Tuckman's stages I would encourage you people to go google it but basically it's all about how like you, teams create norms, right? They come together, they figure out what, how they're going to work together, they create those norms, and then they start doing their jobs and performing at a high level, right? Those are like yep. basically the stages. And if you're able to come in and be like, all right, like maybe some of the people on the team are not super high in humility, like naturally, or they haven't been, generally speaking, there might be an opportunity when you're kind of forming and storming as a team, thinking about how we can drive those norms. Like, what are the things that we can do? Like, how can we address mistakes? Maybe there's a norm that if there's a mistake, you know, everyone's going to own up to their mistakes and we're going to take that and learn from it. And we're going to practice that behavior. And the people that maybe are naturally higher in that can be the examples of showing how that happens and create that norm. And if everyone agrees on the team, they want to create these norms, then you can get into a better place, right? It doesn't have to be something that you are just I am naturally more likely to admit my mistakes or I've in my experience that's always what I've done maybe this can be a time that you can create those norms within your team and so I think it's being really planful and thoughtful as to how you develop as a team that can really help and if you need to reset as a team you know that's gonna be a little bit harder but take that time to like sit down and have a conversation what do we want the ground rules to be for a team how do we want to work together how do we create an environment where we are showing this humility so that we are working cohesively in an effective way and we don't have this incivility brewing under the surface? Yeah, I completely agree with that. And one other thing that we can take away um, from the article is that uh, they did find that bad apples can ruin the bunch. So the more um, you have sort of individuals in the group who are not humble so if they had some people in the group who were low on humility um or if they had some people who were high on demonstrating incivility to other people that that weakened these relationships so 
it is important that if you have someone on the team who is really egotistical, not demonstrating these behaviors, or someone who is displaying uncivil behavior, even though the rest of the team may not be following suit, that you address that and take care of it because that actually can weaken humility's impact on this group norm emerging and it also weakens the impact of the group norm of humility on decreasing incivility so if you have folks in your team that are more egotistical or do show uncivil behavior even if the norm is generally not that way you shouldn't just say like oh i'm gonna overlook that because basically we're doing a good job there's just this one or two people that aren't so great that actually has an impact on um, all of these relationships and weakens the ability for the other folks humility to make up for it basically so um, mm -hmm. it's definitely worth calling out that makes a lot of sense to me so it's like I'm just thinking through what I had just said about like how do you set those norms I think sometimes we get into bad habits and then a team you know, might not be doing the right thing because we've gotten to these bad habits and created norms that are bad, right? So like we can create norms where uncivil behavior is okay for some reason and therefore we move on and we continue to behave that way. And that's when the reset helps. But to your point, if there is somebody that is just rude, period, right? And right. no matter what you do, even if the norms have been okay and you're setting those ground rules, they ignore the ground rules, they're doing whatever... That is a totally different story. And it makes a lot of sense that would then just kind of poison everyone else. And so then people probably all start kind of disconnecting from that positivity that humility can bring. And they're starting to maybe behave that same way or just kind of not engaging in the same ways yeah. that humility would encourage people to engage. So how can we remove that person from the situation or how can we help that person along the journey to to humility right um and sometimes you can't sometimes you just have to remove the person from the situation and that's unfortunate but it happens so I think that's a really good call out that that bad apple piece is really interesting that they found that and I think it makes a lot of intuitive sense yeah it doesn't matter if the person is like a really high performer they're hurting your team's um culture by not saying something. So I feel like sometimes people let people get away with things if they are like, oh, well, you know, their numbers are really good. So the fact that they have a big ego or the fact that they sometimes treat people poorly is no big deal. But it actually could be ruining the social oil uh, <laughs> that actually ends up becoming a problem as the team is trying to work together that that could be the thing that stops things up. So making mm -hmm. sure that you're protecting against that is very important. Yeah, I think that's a great call because I've seen this so many times in a lot of different teams across clients, across companies that I've worked for, where there's just this unwillingness to address it because somebody is good at their job. But if they're good at their job and everyone else around them isn't as good as they could be because of their behavior, is that really worth it? Because now right. if you're in a team of, let's say, six people, one person's performing really well, the other five are not performing as well because they're being impacted by this person, then you probably would do better as a business to have the other five people performing at their top and not have that person there. Um, right. So even just from a business perspective, it makes sense because the people that are being treated uncivilly that are not feeling safe in their environment because of that, 
they're not going to be doing their jobs as well. And that person's going to keep looking like a bigger rock star because everyone else around them is not going to be doing as well. That person's gone. Those people are going to boost up and suddenly your whole team is performing effectively and you've got a whole new culture and people are happier. They're more likely to stay all the things we always talk about. So yeah, we need to not entertain the bad apples. Totally, totally agree. And, um, really glad that, uh, we're able to discuss the importance of humility because I feel like a lot of organizations forget the importance of having, um, a little bit of a dose of understanding your strengths and weaknesses. And we see a lot of egotistical people in organizations and to know that it's actually not helping is I think an important thing to know. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it's just, it's part of the culture to think that humility in business maybe isn't a good thing, but it's nice to see articles and research to show actually you're wrong and if we go back to our dear friend David that we mentioned earlier he's very successful and he is definitely high in humility so perfect anecdotal example of the fact that you being high on humility is not gonna somehow detract from your success either so I think it's a good takeaway for obviously leaders and managers to think about how their teams are being structured and making sure that the proper norms are being set and addressing bad apples but it's also important for you as an individual employee to think about how you can grow in your humility how can you be more aware of where your weaknesses might be and really understand other people's strengths and appreciate those strengths. How can you do that better so that you can continue to succeed as well? Yeah, I completely agree. I love that takeaway and I appreciate you listening to uh, the importance of humility for cutting down bullying. And thank you so much for sharing this article. Always wonderful and really interesting. And I can't wait um, for our listeners to hear it and See what they can do with this. And as always, if you have questions, comments, feedback, you can always send us a note at contact at workerbeing.com. You can also find us on our website, workerbeing.com, or on social media at workerbeing on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. And also, I don't remember if we talked about this last time, but we do have a YouTube channel that is fully live and up there. And we've got two videos, one coming out actually probably the day after this podcast um, launches. So more videos coming out, uh, every two weeks where we talk about the same types of topics, just in smaller tidbit form. So go check that out as well. And thanks for listening. The Worker Being Podcast is hosted by us, Patricia Grabar and Katina Sawyer and produced by Allie Johnson. Oh.